Hey, this is Jake Eddy, and you're listening to Bluegrass Jam Alone, the podcast for anyone and everyone who plays bluegrass. So, uh, exciting times on the podcast. Not only have I got my first guest returning, but I've also got my first ever guest returning. Uh, we've got Jake Eddy, who's the first person I ever interviewed on Bluegrass Jam Along uh, back in summer last year. And Jake is back to talk to us again. Jake, welcome back. I'm here. I'm here. Hey, I'm glad to be back. I, I forgot I was your first, but I'm glad to return. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a long time ago now. And you've had. Probably a year, I guess, maybe, or. Not far off, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, roughly. It's cool. And um, so you've played the Opry twice since then. You had your debut just after we spoke, I think. Uh, September 3rd, 2021. Yeah, it was the first. So about. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know how many months ago that was, maybe seven or eight or nine or heck, I don't know. Um, that was the first time, and we just did it again like two weeks ago. And I got the word today that we're doing it again. Uh, I'm doing this time with my brother and Andy. We're doing it uh, June 22nd. That's amazing. Um, and we'll come on and talk about that in a minute. I saw that on, I think, your, I think your brother put that on Instagram earlier. I saw the date go up there. Yeah. That's really cool. It was crazy. I mean, it was, you know, it, Andy has been a guest on the Opry, I think, and I hope I might might be lying, but I think it was on, uh, when it was at Carnegie Hall, he was a guest, I think, of Ricky Skaggs. Um, and then maybe also again at the Ryman, or, or so, but I don't know. So he's kind of hovered around doing the Opry, but hasn't ever fully got to do it himself in Nashville. And and so we're, we're going to do it. They ask him, they ask us to, to come and do it and, and that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> we're, we're stoked on it, really. Super cool. So this is this is Andy Statman we're talking about. Correct. Um, yeah. And so Jake plays with uh, Becky Buller Band, and I saw a post you put on Facebook, I think, a while ago that just said in Brooklyn for a session today, but with who? Right. <laughs> and, and my immediate thought was Andy Statman, and I thought, well, it can't be that. Turns out it was. Um, so how did that come about? Uh, you know, it was crazy. The whole relationship that, that I've made with Andy has been uh, has been quick and kind of a, a shock. We, um, I, I was just kind of wanting, I, I had my solo record that came out last year already in the can and I already kind of had had its radio action and had its little moment. And I thought, you know, should I start recording again? I thought, I don't really want to put out a solo record. Maybe I'll get some players together that I like and we'll just write some together and record it and see what comes out. And I don't really have a big plan. And I just sent an email to Andy and said, hey, Andy, you know, I'm, I'm aware of you. I don't know if you're aware of me, but uh, I'd love to get together and write and record sometime, you know. Um, you know, let me know if you'd be interested in that. Just a little email, you know, nothing. I didn't, I hadn't met him before. And, you know, maybe within a week or, or maybe less, I just got a call and he said, hey, it's Andy, you know. And, and he said, let's do it pretty much. So we hmm. picked That's a amazing. date and, and Carter and I went up and we took Ned with us. Ned played banjo on it and. Uh, we, we went to Andy's house that first night and, and, you know, wrote a little and recorded a little. And then that was pretty much it. Um, the whole thing happened over the course of maybe, um, you know, two days, three days. So it was really quick. And then after that, uh, I just stepped outside also, Matt. I don't know if that's going to be an issue. <laughs> that's cool. But so after we did the writing and the recording and all, uh, I just... You know, I said, man, it'd be fun to do some dates. And Andy said, yeah, it sure would. And 
a couple phone calls later, we had the tour booked and, and it just kind of happened and just still happened. <laughs> you know? And how long did it sort of take you to work out what you were going to play and what you were going to record? Was that pretty organic or did you plan it out in advance? Yeah, so it was a couple tunes that I wrote that I had sent Andy before. We just got together at Andy's place and played some standards and played through a couple of those. And then we wrote some things there together and just went the next day and, and cut it. It sounds ridiculously easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, um, I mean, it sounds silly to say, but it kind of was. Andy's, Andy's that kind of player. You know, it, it, was, it was super organic and fun and it did feel easy. And I remember last time you were on the podcast, you were talking about what you had coming up next and you were talking about wanting to, well, you talk about about having musical conversations and improvising and giving stuff space to sort of breathe and develop ideas. And, and it sounds from, from the bits that I've heard of the project so far, like that, that's very much the direction it went in. Yeah. And that's what I wanted, man. And that was my whole idea of reaching out to Andy first was I wanted the music to be conversational and, and kind of, you know, a little bit more tightrope walking thing, you know, as opposed to like my solo record, my, you know, that, that came out last year had that vibe, but it was a little bit more tame and it was a little bit, the standards were very traditional and, and just very like, it was fun. It was really good. And I really loved the way it came out, but this was a different experience. This was better. You know, maybe the other one was better for a radio, but this one was probably better for my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I mean, I don't know the bits that I've heard so far. I don't know how finished they are, but there's a definite, um, like a definite rawness and a definite, um, sort of drive to them that feels like they, they unpolished. And I mean that in a kind way. I don't mean sure. that in a, as a, but they, they feel they're vital. Well, yeah, and there was no there was no prearranging. I don't I don't want to say no prearranging. I mean, there was a light, <laughs> you know, there was some light arranging, but but not really. And it, we all cut it in the same room, cut it live, just sitting in a circle, you know, mic'd up that way. Um, and I'd been listening to some other records like that, and I like that sound too. Aside from the spirit of the music, I like that kind of sound in the studio. I was listening to their record with like Dave Holland, Norman Blake, Sam Bush, and Tut Taylor. And it's kind of, I think, recorded like that. And I just like that rawness. I like that. You know, I've played on a lot of records, you know, but I like playing on things that are, that sound more like recordings, if that makes sense. You know, that sound a little bit more organic, a little bit more, um, just a little bit more, yeah, honest, a little more raw. I like that sound because that's what I sound like. And it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a, a sort of well-recorded live tape almost, you know, has the feel of yeah, performance that's kind about of, it. I, exactly. And I like that. And there, you know, what we did was we kind of played a few takes of every tune. We just kind of, you know, we picked some tunes and played them all day and, and took the, you know, I don't, we didn't always take the cleanest one or the, <laughs> you know, the most solid one. We took the ones that had the most, um, had the, the, the best energy and the best, um, you know, kind of interplay between everybody, you know, and, and we talked about this with the last record and I was into just kind of leaving the warts and everything on it. You know, when it gets down to the mixing and editing and everything, there were 20 times where there were better things that we might could have comped in to make it sound a little more polished or sound a little bit more, you know, whatever, but you lose the organic quality of it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a trade-off and we chose the, 
you know, the more spontaneous raw kind of sound, I think. It reminds me a little bit um, of the record that Chris Thiele and Michael Daves did, the duet stuff that's just got an energy and there's bits where they're not entirely in tune with each other. And there's bits where it's, you know, it's, but it's just got an immediacy and it feels like people playing music straight into your ears. Yeah, man. And I, I like that. And I grew up with that, you know, especially, you know, a lot of the music I grew up listening to was music being played, you know, by people. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Of course, listen to recordings. But, you know, a lot of the music I was subject to as a kid was like my grandpa singing and my mom singing with him or my mom playing guitar. And like, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't all perfect, but it was good. You know, and it meant something to me, and that's kind of how I think about this project too. It's, it was a, it was an exciting moment playing, and it's exciting to listen to. I think for that same reason, even though it's maybe not perfect in some spots or whatever. Yeah, and so, so the personals, you, Andy, um, Ned on banjo, and your brother on bass. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, and that's, that's and Ned has and that's, Ned has a really fondness of Andy's playing. I mean, Ned has been a fan of Andy you know, for a long time. And, um, Ned's really into like some of the, um, you know, Andy's older stuff where he's playing with Trishka, obviously yeah, and, like the wretched refuse string band and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it was good. I think it was the right personnel for the session and it, it, everything was great. And, and Andy and, and, uh, Ned both share a love for bagels, right? The, <laughs> you know, there's a lot. <laughs> we just, it was just a good time, man. And the music was, was the cherry on top. It was great. And the record's coming out on Wondertone. Um, and I was sort of looking into that and they, it's coming out on vinyl and they lathe cut each record in real time. And was that, does that sort of tie in with your vision for the project or does this, that happen to be how it's coming out? It's, it feels like there's a real synergy between the content and the delivery of it there. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional so much on the vinyl side, but we are doing, I, as of right now, the current plan is to do this release only on physical copies for a while and then, and then move to digital down the road. And I think that's a little bit counterintuitive to what, the way a lot of people are releasing music now. Um, but, you know, we want, and I talked to Ned a lot about this when I was cutting my first record. He said, you know, on these long drives between a rehearsal once with Ned, he said, you know, you cut a record for different reasons. You know, sometimes you cut a record to make uh, make a splash on radio. You know, sometimes you make it just as a statement for the art. Sometimes you make it as a thing to sell on the road and hard copies. And, you know, this project for me seemed like a way to make music that I wanted that was fulfilling to me and to the other guys playing. And then also it'll serve as merch for the road. And we're doing this tour and we want to use the record to help push the tour. And it's, so, you know, we're kind of using it in a different way. Like I, I you know, it'll make its way to streaming, but I'm not expecting it to make a huge splash online. But we want it to tie in a lot to the live shows and getting it to real people and real physical media. And, and you know, I, I, that's kind of that's kind of where we're leaning toward right now. And it's got um, like the, the sort of artwork I've seen that goes with it. It's got like a cool. It's almost like a Blue Note vibe to it. The way it looks. I, I made I made the art actually, and it was it's totally a Blue Note um, inspired thing. I mean, I love that look you know that's kind of I, you know i like a lot of those old records and i'm just used to seeing that look and i like the big text and the, it's got a just a bold picture and big text and that's it you know and i really like that look 
So it was definitely going for that. And it was, and I wanted it to be very like, very New York. And I wanted it to look cold and kind of, you know, when we cut it, it was during one of the biggest snowstorms of the year uh, in Brooklyn. They had like, you know, a foot plus of snow and it just wanted to capture all of that sort of look. So that's why it's that sort of grayscale and blue kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's and funny, it's so- like you, you want the cover art to convey the music. That's sometimes hard to do, but I think it's, I think we found a good match there. I sent probably, you know, a hundred drafts of that to Carter, you know, like, what do you think of this? Does this look right? Or, you know, does this seem to look is it too vibrant? Is it too dull? Is it, you know, we, there was a lot of back and forth, but I think it's, I got it to a place that I really like it. And I'm not a graphic designer by any, by any means, but I just thought, I don't know, thought for some reason I could, I could do it. <laughs> and it looks cool. Though. It looks in keeping with, with what's, what's in there. And there's something about that sort of blue note thing of like the idea of capturing a band, like the true sense of what the word record means. It's just a snapshot of that day and how you played right. those songs. And it's a, a kind of, it isn't like you were saying about making records for different reasons. And it's just, this is how we sounded in this room on this day. And if you'd come back next week, we might have sounded different. And that's funny that you would say that. I don't, I don't think I sent you a copy of the back cover. Um, no, the only it's in the front, I think. On the, I'll send it to you later, I guess, after this. But the back cover, there's a little blurb about that. It just says, look, you know, this was recorded at so-and-so studio on this day with this much preparation, you know, and this is, here's what the weather was like, and here's what the <laughs> room was like, and this is just what it is, you know. Um, you might hear us on the road playing things that are way more exciting or way less exciting or way more tight or way sloppier or, you know, it's only, it's just a moment in time and, and, I'm cool with that. I like that. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How like a record or a photo or whatever is like a snapshot of a thing and there's a million other possibilities for that thing. And that's the one you capture and that's the one that that sort of lives on. But um, I think there's something beautiful about that. You know, we are sort of in an an era where stuff is designed with legacy in mind and posterity and catalogue and all those sorts of things. And that's all perfectly fine. But it's something yeah, and, and beautiful like about our moments. I like, yeah, and I like the idea of the evolution of the music and the band. You know, the more we play with Andy, the the more it's changing. There'll probably be people on the tour certain nights that will take that record home and go, hmm, that doesn't sound like what we just heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. It just probably will. It'll, it's, it's an ever-changing thing. And that's the beauty of this music for me, for bluegrass music or jazz or improvised music. It's that, you know it's not always the same. It's ever changing and it's exciting when you play it. Sometimes I have just as much shock as the value would or the, the value. What am I saying? The audience would, you know, there, there's more shock value to me because it's like, it feels, it almost feels like I don't know what's going to happen, especially playing with Andy. You know, that's very much his style. He's very, um, you know, a lot of moments where even being in the band, playing with him, I can't believe what's happening. You know, he just takes you <laughs> on that journey, and I, I like that feeling. Yeah, it's really interesting because I went to see um, Billy Strings play over in the UK back in March. I'd never seen him play before. I've listened to my bunch, and I've seen stuff online. But I went to see him twice in the space of three days. And there's something glorious about going to two gigs three days apart where the set list is different and the vibe's different, and they are playing off how that room feels on that day. And I think that's, I think maybe that comes after two years of no live music, but I'd sort of find myself craving that again, like people in a yeah, room making music for other people in a room. 
I, exactly. And I've talked a lot about that with Carter, with Andy, or just with whoever that, you know, you, the best night that I ever play will probably never be heard <laughs> again, you know, unless you were there or the best night that like, you know, you've probably never heard Tony Rice's best night ever, you know, like it's, there's things that happen. And that's kind of the beauty of it. That just, you know, it's a moment in time that is a fleeting thing and it's just, you get to experience it and then it's gone a lot of times. Um, you know, and I like that. I have a fondness for that, um, that kind of way that art and music is just fleeting, you know. Yeah, and I guess that's what keeps you coming back to other people's music, but to uh, your own as well. Is that there's always something new. There's always something in there like that there's some you didn't know was there. About it. You know, it's there's like I, maybe I over romanticize that, but I like it. I like the fact that it, sometimes art and music can be kind of single use. You know, you it happens once, and then you 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 might not ever really capture that exact feeling again. Yeah, and I, I, it's something that I hadn't realized how much I missed. Like before the pandemic, I don't think I went to as much theater or as much live music as I had in the past. And like suddenly now, every time you know I went to the theater the other night and there's 500, 600 people in that room and they're the only people that are going to see that performance and you're one of them. And that, that's a bond between you and the performer. And it's just a such a human thing and such a connected thing. And Yeah, know. and it's funny, it's... Yeah, I mean, you would you would kind of expect... I mean, I guess when you go to a show, you almost halfway expect that it will be the same the next night or something, you know. Sometimes it doesn't feel as singular to me, but it's when you're actually in the moment and you're there watching it, it's totally unique, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure if you go and see, I don't know, U2 or Coldplay or they've, they've got a stadium show, the set list probably doesn't change. They've got the lights all pre-programmed. There's, you right. know, everything's designed to perform the same thing night in, night out, whether you're in... Rio or you're in Berlin and there's you know that is what it is but sure there's also something about a bunch of people just turning up and going right let's see where we go the next two hours right I definitely prefer that kind of you know like I mean when we play with Andy we've, we've only done two shows with Andy so we're, we're really about to leave on tour in about uh 10 days roughly but we did two shows as kind of a little test run just to work out some set list things and or, you know, that's kind of what I'm getting to. I wouldn't call it a set list. We just, when they said our name, we just walked out, <laughs> you know, with nothing uh, at all. <laughs> you know, and like, um, it's exciting. It's And it's cool to see it forming. You know, it's like, that was super exciting because we didn't, I mean, we really didn't even hardly discuss tunes, maybe a couple. But it's just like, let's just see what happens. You know, let's be as surprised as anyone who's listening and just trust the music and trust that it's going to be okay. And, you know, it was great. It's, um, it's really fulfilling to play like that with people who are able to play like that, you know, with people who are, are okay with the idea of uncertainty or discomfort or, you know, it's, it makes things a lot more exciting and a lot more rewarding, I think for the players and the people listening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, and there's a sense of a certain sense that you're on it together as well. Sure. Exactly. That's cool. And in terms of the material that, that sort of made it onto the record then, um, like what are the, which, which are the pieces on there that you, that you wrote and what, what ended up on there and how, you know, how did you get to that? Yeah. So we were playing the tune, the fiddle tune Forked Deer at Andy's house. That was like what we kind of warmed up with or whatever, or, or I don't know, we were just playing it at some point in the night. And then Andy starts kind of playing it either Andy or Ned I don't, I don't even remember which one of us, but started playing it in minor, 
you know, in a minor key. Yeah. And then, you know, I came up with some chords that fitted a little better. And then Andy kind of wrote this little bridge and that became the title cut. The one on there that's called Nor'easter really is kind of a, you know, some bastardization of Forked Deer, right? Um, and then there's some other ones. I, I wrote the one called the green machine. I remember, you remember last time we talked about when I sold pumpkins and all that. Did we yeah. Talk about yeah. Yeah. Um, the green machine. That's what we used to call that truck that <laughs> I had. So I wrote, the, I wrote that tune before the session. Um, and then there's a tune on there called clever britches, which is, uh, again, started as the fiddle tune leather britches that I kind of, you know, changed around a little and then there's some standards on there there's a couple banjo tunes like the ned played john henry on the banjo just kind of randomly started playing it in the studio and that stuck and we kept it and then we were in the control room we wanted one more tune and andy suggested a gospel tune which i guess is sort of sort of funny andy's jewish it's um <laughs> you know so but andy said how about like a you know some kind of gospel hymn so just a closer walk with thee uh is, is one we put on there and you know same thing kind of maybe uncharacteristic for the session, but it, it worked really cool because, um, you know, there's a, I love the mandolin on that track. Andy's approach to that one is super cool. It's so raw and just like out of left field. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, just the material was super organic. And, you know, it was some things I wrote, some things we wrote together, some things that we just chose while we were in the studio. Um, I'm trying to think what else is on there. I'm not looking at the track list right now, <laughs> but, um, it's just, I don't know, I think it all works pretty well together. And there was a couple tracks that we cut that didn't make the, the cut, you know. So um, maybe when it goes to streaming, there will be some bonus tracks or something like that, you know. So I think there's seven tracks on the actual record, but there's like 10 or 12 that we actually cut. And do you have um, do you have a sense at this point, like how long this project is going to run for? Is it a kind of a definite fixed term thing or does it feel like the beginning of a, a new thing? The, you mean playing with on tour with Andy and all? Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's I think it's only just getting started. I mean, we, you, you know, I don't I don't want to speak on Andy's behalf, but it feels to me like we're kind of gearing Andy up to hit it pretty hard again. You know, um, you know, Andy's had different times in his life where he's played a lot on the road and with a lot of different people and been kind of the center of attention in the mandolin world. And he's had other times where he's kind of lived a more quiet life, gigging around the city and being with his wife and his family. And, um, you know, it feels to me like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just feels like he's warming up to want to do more and more. I mean, every time I talk to him, he's like, hey, could we do, you think we could book some dates here this week? What about this week? Or, hey, what about before the Opry? If we come down through the Carolinas and then go over to Nashville or he just seems excited about playing and he seems he's playing as good as he's ever played in my opinion. I mean, he sounds fantastic. Um, you know, so I don't know. I think we're going to just ride it till the wheels fall off, I guess. That's the, that seems to be the vibe right now. I mean, there's got to be a lot of people out there excited at the idea of getting to see Andy Statman. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And especially, I mean, Andy has most of his playing is just in New York nowadays, you know? So we, you know, we'll get these things online. Like people were like, are, are, Oh, are you serious? Andy's coming to Ohio. You know, we're like, <laughs> yeah, baby, you know, we're coming. So it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. I think he's as excited to play as we are to play with him. And I think that the people are really excited to see him doing something new and something kind of, kind of different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got, um, he's covered a lot of ground in his time and Absolutely. He's loved by mandolin players. And also there's a great respect for Andy and the Klezmer community. And, yeah. 
you know, jazz circles and bluegrass guys. I mean, he's, you know, one of Andy's like kind of close people he's collaborated with and been friends with over the years is Ricky Skaggs. And, you, you know, Ricky is kind of, you would think of him as being kind of a traditional figure, you know, in some degree. Um, but they, you know, there's a deep respect there and kind of in their, their music and their playing too. So it's, Andy to me is universally enjoyable. You know, he's a great player and he comes from a really honest background. That's he's unique, you know, and he sounds like himself. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, sure. You know, that's the goal for everybody. Sure. Play, play a few notes and you know who it is. Yeah. Well, there's no mistake in him. Yeah. Um, and when you get to the opera with Andy, are you going to put another dent in your guitar? Of course. <laughs> of course. I've seen I've seen each time you've you've played, you put a little notch on the top of that D eighteen. Of course, there's two in there now, and there will be three. Yeah, come next month. What's going to happen by the time you're sixty? Uh, hopefully, it'll I'll, it'll be completely busted and be a pile of sawdust. <laughs> I remember talking to you last time about that guitar and sort of saying that some people sort of frown upon you taking it on airplanes and taking it on the road and, yeah. and you know, you're feeling really strongly that it's there to be played. Yeah. It's my guitar, you know, I mean, gosh, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine not taking it out, you know, it's like, why, why even have it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. not so good. And I'm just so used to it. And it's just, I just have a connection to that instrument, you know, and dude, that's the other thing about this tour that if there's, you know, if there's guitar nerds out there, listen to this, which Lord knows there is, um, <laughs> the instruments on this tour with Andy are just fantastic. If you're into old instruments. So at my D 18 is there, of course, Andy's playing a 23 F five, a lore. And uh, Carter's playing this great old Jusic bass. So the tones are great. And like, you know, we, we spend a lot of time kind of tinkering around and, and nerding out on the instruments too. So it's, Oh man, that was fun. It's so fun. <laughs> you know, it's cool. It's a lot, we, I was going to say a lot of people associate Andy with the, the sort of the, Snakehead, oval hole mandolins. Right, the, the A, I think it was an A2Z or something, yeah, Gibson. Um, and he's played a bunch of different ones. He's played like some really, uh, in, a, in the most recent years, more boutique builders. He, he plays in Elias pretty often. He has some, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. He has a ton of, of mandolins, or he has had a ton of them over time, but the lore is special. We, we, um, he had just got it pretty recently. Uh, and he played it on the session, of course. And then when he came up to Athens, we visited uh, Don McCrosty, who's a renowned mandolin luthier. He builds the Red Diamond mandolins. And mm -hmm. he did a little work on Andy's Lore when we were there. Just some minimal kind of setup, you know, like a little truss rod adjustment, little bridge work, you know, whatever. And just it was even better after that. And seeing Andy's face light up, you know, when he <laughs> got it back and played it. I mean, it was exciting. It's a, it's a powerful instrument. So it's, you know, that's... It's fun that I, I love the history of those old instruments. And it's just, it's exciting to be, you know, when you hear that mandolin, of course it sounds like Andy, but it also sounds like it's just, you know, all it's got a hundred years of history and you can hear it in every note, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah literally next year, a hundred years of history. That's, you know, yeah. Right at your ear at, at 200 beats a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, you've got these, you've got the shows coming up and the record coming out. Um, what else does this year hold? You must, I presume, you've got some gigs with Becky coming up too. I do. I'm, I'm teaching at the Rocky Grass Academy. Um, cool. And then we're playing at Rocky Grass with Becky. Um, and then 
the other big thing that's kind of on my radar right now is uh, January of 2023. So this upcoming January, uh, I'm teaching at a camp in South Africa. Oh, cool. So, and it's like, uh, it's on a safari ranch kind of thing. So it's like a wilderness thing. And it's, I think it's me and Chris Luquette are the instructors. So, um, that's going to be a blast. I haven't, my guitar hasn't taken me out of the country yet. So this, that'll be the first time. <laughs> and, um, so that's yeah, Rocky, yeah, the Opry, Rocky grass and, and the teaching in, in Africa. That's my three kind of big things on my radar right now. And last time I spoke to you, um, you were sort of thinking about next projects and presumably this was one of the ones that was, was bubbling away when we talked sure. last time. Um, have you got anything sort of got your eye on anything else yet or is it, are you, you know, got your hands nothing, full right now? Nothing major. I really like the idea of doing a brother's project with my brother, you know, um, singing duets and, and doing that. And, and, and with my family, I, I cut a, a small kind of demo with my family during COVID kind of just as a, you know, something to kill time and, and get to hang out and spend more time with them and make some music. I'd really like to dive into that a little harder and, and do another record with my family. And, um, you know, and I have a ton of tunes that I've written. I'd like to do cut some solo stuff. I just, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things I'm thinking about, but I'm, I'm doing too much <laughs> playing right now to get too deep into another project. But it's, um, you know, you, you talk to me in a, a week that could change, I guess it's, it's kind of, you know, but my, my thing has always been kind of like just strike when the iron's hot. You know, if I'm feeling a project, I have to do it pretty quick or I'll kind of lose steam, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see what, we'll see what's coming, but definitely more stuff with Carter is always on the horizon and, and uh, there'll be things with Becky coming out soon. There's a Christmas, there's some Christmas music coming out in December that I'm on and there's some, uh, some singles with her coming out this year and, you know, so so you'll see me around. I've played on a bunch of other people's records this year that are coming out too. Some country stuff, some bluegrass stuff, some, you know. So, st as far as stuff directly from me, I don't have anything right on the on the on the hinge of coming up. But um, you'll you'll see me around. <laughs> cool. Well, good luck with the record and with the tour and you know all the bits you've got coming up. Um, as always, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's it's great to it's great to do it, and I, I'm glad you enjoyed the record, and I'd be glad to, to come back on any time. Well, I look forward to hearing about another project somewhere down the line and having the chance to get you back on. Yeah, we'll do, man. We'll stay in touch. Take care. Good to speak to you, mate. Really great to have Jake back on the show. Um, I'll stick a link in the show notes to the first interview that I did with Jake uh, so you can listen back and hear a bit more of the background if you want to. I'll also stick some links in there to um, various, you know, Jake's teaching and various gigs and bits and pieces as well as the record he's got coming out. Um, yeah, sorry about the slight sound quality on that one. The Basically, we had a technical problem and instead of having two separate tracks from me and Jake so I could mix the volumes a little bit. I had to rely on one that had both of us on it, and he's a bit quieter than me. So I hope that didn't get in the way too much. But um, yeah, just really good fun to chat to Jake again. And I'm sure I'll chat to him again in the future at some point. Uh, cool. Right. I will see you next time. Have a great week. Happy picking. Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collings Guitars and Mandolins, making some of the finest guitars and mandolins in the world since the 1970s. Visit collingsguitars.com and find out why.